Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. I'm holding on to this self-care with every ounce of me. (laughs) Join us as we journey through sharing together. A lot of these conversations are pretty private and these women are courageous and vulnerable and transparent and that alone shows us that we're not alone in our struggle. This week's guest is C.P. Patrick. CP is an author. I met CP at a self-care workshop. CP's role in my life, I would definitely say mentor. She's wonderful and she has really kind of guided me and my husband through certain things and just me as a creative it's just awesome to talk with her and bounce things off of her. We are discussing a wide variety of things in today's show. We talk about the writing process, we talk about some self-care tips, and we also talk about trusting the journey. This is CP's story. Hey, girl. (laughs) How are you? Thanks for being in the studio with us. I am great. Thanks for having me. No worries. So for everybody who is tuning in, we are here with author Christine Patrick. Should we call you CP? Should we call you Patrick? There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to distinguish myself from my old legal career. Okay. All right. Well, CP Patrick is in the studio with us. Um, A dear friend of mine, somewhat of a mentor. She is just absolutely amazing. So... Tell us a little bit about you. Let's see. I am, I guess, an attorney by by trade. Mm -hmm. I majored in African and African-American studies for uh, my bachelor's and master's and sort of was on the fence. You know, should I get a Ph.D.? Should I not? And then everyone goes to law school when they don't know know, what they want to do. So I ended up in law school and just ended up having this wonderful career in Mm -hmm. energy Mm and renewable energy and being an advocate for the environment. And in 2015, I sort of got this writing bug. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, it had been there all along. We have so many, like, things that we love that we suppress from our childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I just started writing again, and it just changed my life. Now I'm an author Mm -hmm. and working on my second novel, my third book. So... Yeah, and I'm a minimalist. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) That's really exciting. So, lawyer turned writer. Yes. So, I kind of want to touch on how law school shaped you and if you were able to keep some of your creativity in law school or was 2015 the year that you, like, picked back up and was like, I'm going to be a writer? You know, it's interesting. Um, I think law school, the purpose of it is to kill creativity (laughs) really Uh, only in the sense that it's supposed to be a fair and you know unbiased justice system right Mm -hmm. so when you start getting creative you know then you (laughs) right you start moving away from the law yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I I think it definitely taught me really good legal research and writing skills Mm -hmm. which are you know transferable right just in life it taught me discipline like you would not 
believe, okay? <laughs> and that has actually really benefited my writing mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know, as a writer, there are sometimes you have to sit down for five, six, seven, eight. 10 hours and my body is like, yeah, we've done this before. This is nothing, you know. So it definitely taught me discipline, you know, reaching my goals. And so in that sense, it was wonderful. I never really had sort of this burning desire to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, there are certain people that go into law school. Some of my classmates knew they wanted to do criminal law. And then some of us were just there like, I mean... We'll see what happens. Right. You know? <laughs> so I think I got lucky. I graduated in 2006, mm-hmm. and no one was really talking about energy and renewable energy at that time. Yeah. Came out of law school, and I was just like, I need a job. Yeah. You know, and someone you take put, me. Yeah, someone hire me. <laughs> so I started to just apply at anything that would move. And, you know, one of those jobs was a, a renewable energy job with a very small boutique law firm. Okay. And that gave me an opportunity to really, really grow and hone those skills and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden everything was like renewable energy Mm and the environment and Mm -hmm. there are very few people of color in that field yeah and uh, being here in DC I was just able to write my ticket and then Obama went into office and I'm like I want to work under his administration so I end up at the Department of Energy writing policy so it's just like it was just this magical ride yeah but never really feeling creatively fulfilled Mm. you know Mm -hmm. Um, have you always had that burning desire to be creative or did it just kind of click after a while you know it was always there Mm -hmm. and then with law it did it did get suppressed Mm -hmm. and it was when one of my friends actually in 2013 we decided to do NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month okay which is where you write 50,000 words in one month yeah you told me about that (laughs) which is as crazy as it sounds is that how A Wheatie was born from NaNoWriMo. Um, So I think that sort of opened up the the creative process and Mm -hmm. getting those juices flowing. And then, I, you know, it started where I would go to work all day and work on energy policy and then run home at night and take care of my family Mm -hmm. and then, you know, go ahead and start working on the book. Yeah. And I ended up just like, no, I want to work on this book all the time. Full time. Yeah. So let's talk about this book for people who are unfamiliar with the Wheatie. Novel number one. Please tell us a little bit about it. Ah, Awiti is my baby. <laughs> my baby. So in grad school, I heard this theory mm-hmm. that the spirits of slaves are not at rest mm-hmm. and that they're embodied in the winds of hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And it just always stuck with me. I grew up in South Florida. You know, I remember being in Hurricane Andrew. Mm-hmm. And the theory came about because a lot of hurricane winds start off the coast of West Africa mm gain momentum as they cross the Atlantic, almost following the exact same route as slave ships. Wow. And they hit mostly the southern slaveholding states. And so wow. that's how that theory sort of came about. Mm-hmm. When my good girlfriend, when we were like, let's do NaNoWriMo, I'm like, I'm going to write about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I looked at the top 10 hurricanes, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see if there were any corresponding moments in black history mm. that would justify the rage of a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And my only caveat was... It couldn't be a story that we had heard before. Right. You know, because we, you know, we hear the same stories. I'm like, you're not talking about the Underground Railroad. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Let's find something unique. You right. Know? Right. And I just came across the most fascinating stories and, you know, parts of our history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, the book kind of wrote itself. Hmm. You hear writers found on that for a little bit. <laughs> you hear writers say that sometimes. And there's there's so many cliches that I heard before yeah. being a writer. I'm like, 
the no, book it didn't. didn't write itself. <laughs> that is so stupid. Right. You know? <laughs> but I remember like coming across a piece of research mm-hmm. and then literally being able to just write out an entire chapter. And a lot of writers wow. call that channeling. Mm-hmm. And you say like, you know, someone wants their story told, told. you know. So, yes, you're writing it. Yes, I'm creative, but yeah. I'm not that creative. You know, I can I can recognize when yeah. you know something. Some there's a higher power helping me. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. So there were a lot of moments like that with the book, and it was just, I mean, and it just ended up surpassing every dream that I that I had. It's been used at colleges and mm-hmm. universities, mm-hmm. high schools. I'm speaking at a school next Wednesday in Atlanta. Like wow. it's just been this magical ride. And so, when did you decide? This needs all of my attention. And you were married at the time. Right now you're currently going through a transition to divorce. Mm -hmm. So how were you able to bring that up to your then partner? Like, I don't want to do law. I want to do writing. Mm -hmm. And were you comfortable with that decision once you got there? Yes, I was. Not initially. I mean, you know, going from a six-figure salary to... (laughs) A writer. A writer salary. <laughs> which and can indep- range, but which independent, range. independent yeah, but artistry is not yeah, always straight easy. straight out the gate, it was a rude awakening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was it was interesting because I would spend so much time in my office writing yeah. that when I came to him and said that, he said, I knew this was coming. Like, I can see how much you love writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, he was just on board and was like, let's figure it out. Was you he know? on board from the beginning? Or was there some push and pull? Wow. That's a blessing. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So So once you got that blessing from your partner, you were just like, how did you leave your job? So I knew that would be tough. I was a senior policy advisor at the Department of Energy (laughs) at the time. Yes. So, and you know, as a woman of color, you also feel sort of pressure. Like Mm. I felt such pressure on me for being I made it to that level, you know, and like, I'm the only one in my office at this level. And, you know, so there was a lot of pressure in terms of letting that go. Mm -hmm. And I gave them three months notice. Okay, that's really generous. (laughs) And I think they were still in denial until like, the month before, because yeah. you know, no one, no one walks away for their from their good government job, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> but my office was wonderfully supportive. They threw me a wonderful party. Mm-hmm. They love a wee tea. They purchase copies of a wee tea. You know, they yeah. they follow me, and I still, you know, keep yeah. up with some of some of my old employees. So, yeah, it just ended great. up, yeah, working out really well. I know it's crazy. It right? is so crazy. <laughs> like if you guys were in the studio to see my face, it's like that is just insane because you don't hear these types of stories often it's normally like oh I've been itching to do this writing thing or this creative thing all my life and then I had to get a job but your path was completely different not only did you have a family you had a you had a big responsibility in your Mm -hmm. job Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you were like I'm gonna do this 50,000 word challenge (laughs) that turned in that turns into a book that turns into me touring the country teaching and just your life's work is just yeah I think it's a testament to following your heart and your goals though yeah you know and it actually motivated other people who had dreams that they suppress you know and when my kids finish school Mm. or when this happens or when this happens you know they're like Christine just jumped 
out there. Yeah, you know, and I would get all these messages and people were just like, wow, I'm so inspired. I'm so proud of you. Or how are you feeling? You know, Mm -hmm. and just, you know, so I told people, this is something that you're interested in doing. Definitely plan. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and was like, you know, I'm gonna quit today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You know your responsibilities and obligations. Be smart. Be smart, you know, and give yourself every time you need to plan but like I think once I put that in motion and I knew what I was going to do that Mm -hmm. it just made me like I couldn't wait it was so exciting and I'm so happy like I the first month that I didn't get a paycheck I just remember thinking like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you know but I realized like I mean I was working to pay for parking for food for clothes for you know and so like I really didn't feel as big of a hit as yeah. I thought that I was going to feel. Yeah. And so that was like probably the biggest surprise for me. Like, oh, we're not eating beans. We we can do it. We can, we can do really it. do it. <laughs> we can do it. I so, think yeah. I I think that that's amazing. And I hope that whoever's listening to this can pull from that because mm-hmm. I get those questions a lot. Like, how do you do it? How do you go for it? And just like you said, it's a true testament of following your heart and setting your goals. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just magical. Yeah. So all the universe conspires, right? To right. help you. I will say that as well. The so alchemist. once I yes, yes. <laughs> once I jumped, it was just like the universe did conspire to help me. Yeah. From, you know, people purchasing the book. Yeah. Le- you know, leaving reviews, just all these different things. And it just it was it is magical, you yeah. know, but you have to take that first step. Definitely. So you mentioned reviews and I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been telling people on the internet, like, if you like Neon Soul, which is my third book, mm-hmm. leave a review, please, specifically yeah. people of color, because yes. a lot of times they'll send me a DM or an mm-hmm. email and like, I got this moving email about two days ago mm-hmm. and it was long. Oh, yeah. And this random person picked up the book in Barnes and Noble, was flipping through it. And sent me this email that literally shook my entire life and how yeah. much they loved yeah. the book. And I I wrote them back, of course. And then I asked them, would you please leave a review? <laughs> Can you cut and paste this? Yes, right? <laughs> please. Literally. Because yeah. our voices need to be heard. Definitely. And how do you feel about that? Specifically with Aweedy having five stars on Amazon. It's wonderful. How do you feel about the, the power of reviews specifically in it's our community? It's so important. And I, you know, I think with a lot of readers they just don't understand the importance of reviews that's the issue right yeah aside from it being the very last thing on everyone's to-do list (laughs) literally you know like literally I don't think that we understand the importance of reviews and Mm -hmm. I was the same way I've read tons of really amazing books and you know you tell your friends and you're like oh my god I read this great book Mm -hmm. but you never think to leave a review Mm -hmm. and you can even go look at some classics Look at the color purple, and yeah. it may only have like six, seven hundred reviews. Everybody in a mama, everybody in a mama read the color purple, right? You know, so we don't understand number one how that impacts the author mm-hmm. for independent authors, especially. Yeah, there are certain promotional programs, there are certain pairings with other books on Amazon yeah. that you have to have a certain number of reviews mm-hmm. before that can even happen. Mm-hmm. An independent book that has 55 stars yeah. being paired with a, another book that has 205 stars, that's, it's it's marketing and publicity that they just can't, you can't pay for. Right. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Um, and so the readers of that book will see that book and it, it, you know, it sort of plays into itself. 
So there's that sense. The other thing is from an independent and traditionally published standpoint, you know, we're always talking about, especially people of color, how yeah. our voices are not heard. Yeah. Well, our voices are not heard because it looks like we're not reading yeah. <laughs> because we're not leaving reviews. Right. We're not saying, I love this book and I, you know, man, I would love to read more stories like this. Yes. And that voice is so important. I think initially people think, you know, an author asks, can you leave me a review? Like, it's not to make me feel good. Right. You know what I at mean? All. Like, I, I, it, it does. Thank you. Right. I'm so glad you loved it, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, But at totally. the same time, like that, it's not helping my career Yeah. at all. You yeah. know, so I'm the same way. And I think right out the gate with the Wheaty, I mean, my friends will tell you, I hounded Please, about those reviews. Please write a review. <laughs> yeah. You know, I put messages on Facebook. Anytime I would get like a DM, like you said, and I actually got a, a beautiful DM last night, mm-hmm. someone who finished a Wee Tea, and I thanked her and, you know, and I said, can you please leave me a review on Amazon? And she went to do it, mm-hmm. you know, right away. Mm-hmm. And it's best to do it right after you finish the book because it's fresh mm-hmm. on your mind yeah. and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're just so, so important. Yeah. So on Amazon and Goodreads, especially, you know, Barnes & Noble, leave reviews there as well. If you can hit all three. And it's and it's totally fine to cut and paste yeah. the same review. Yeah. And it's even fine to leave one sentence if right. that's all you. I love this it. This book was awesome. You know, <laughs> right. five stars, you right. know. Like right. even that is helpful right. to an author. And like being on BookBub, which is a huge ebook promotional service. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain number of favorable mm. reviews to even be considered for a slot. And wow. that's that's traditional and indie wow. authors. So, wow. you know, there's so many other benefits to the author by having having these reviews out there. So what have you learned as an independent author with a, be- a best-selling book that people are literally going to pass down and have on their bookshelves forever and ever? <laughs> it's, so, it's so amazing to me when I hear people say that. It, it's still... Was you know it's still surreal. Yeah. Sometimes I think I learned really to be true to my voice. Yeah. One of the reasons that I think Awiti uh, is doing very well is that it's just my voice. Mm-hmm. The novel that I'm working on now, I'm literally like on probably the hundredth <laughs> revision. Yeah. You know, and I'm working with an agent now and going to work with a traditional publisher. Yeah. And so you know, there's a different sort of pressure, and so I felt myself yeah. like trying to write under that pressure and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I was like just write from your voice and from your heart the same way you did with the Wheatie Mm -hmm. that now the story is just like flowing Mm -hmm. and we all love it and you know so I think like really being true to your voice not trying to write for a book contract not trying to write for a particular audience Mm -hmm. you know like it should be as pure and genuine as possible and even if you want to be traditionally published the work that you write you should be so proud of it yeah. that if it isn't traditionally published, you're like, okay, well, I'll indie publish it because yeah. I believe in this story. Yeah. And that's how I felt about a wee tea. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful you say that, too, about authentically and authentically and genuinely writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of emails and messages from young writers who say that they want to be writers, but they really only want Instagram likes mm-hmm. and retweets and things like that, which... Yeah. It's really difficult because it's like, are you writing for the Internet's approval right. or are you writing for your yeah. voice? And that won't last long. I mean, <laughs> as you know, yeah, like it is literally a career. It, it is. I mean, there are 
hours of your day that can be spent editing three poems, right? Or working on one chapter, you Mm -hmm. know, and it has to be something that you love. If it's not something, writing especially, (laughs) if it's not something that you love, eventually you will walk away because it's not this instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think Instagram gives some sort of false appearance of that, you know, Um, and I've seen people, you can tell where things are being recycled and that's so painful to the actual artist, you know, I'm sure as a poet, you've seen your stuff recycled. Oh, we just had this conversation. (laughs) Many times. You know, I don't think people understand, like, can you just add my little handle at the end? Like, it would just mean a lot to me. These are my words that Mm -hmm. I slaved over that I like really, really worked hard on. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think that, you know, you have to, it has to be something that you really want. And it has to be for more than just a like, you know, it has to be for a purpose, a reason, reaching an audience, wanting to help someone. For me, it's wanting to tell the history of the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. Like, that is my incentive Mm -hmm. and my goal. I want to tell these stories that have never been told. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, I want five stars on Amazon. You know, like, what is is your purpose and reason Mm. behind your writing? Absolutely. Hey Girl is brought to you by Skillshare. I love Skillshare. You guys have heard me say this before, but I'm a student on their platform and it is so fun to be able to dive into these different classes that they offer. Right now, I'm exploring the creative writing classes. One that's really standing out to me is by Ashley C. Ford and her course is called Creative Personal Writing, Write the Real You. What I love most about Skillshare is that it's an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative entrepreneurs skills. You can take a class in everything from photography to creative writing like I am, design to productivity and more. So whether you're returning to a longtime passion project, challenging yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare definitely has a class for you. Lifelong learning is important because it keeps our minds open and moving and creative. I love that Skillshare has a little bit of everything for everyone. Join the millions of students, including myself, already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free when you use my code. That's right. Skillshare is offering Hey Girl listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hey Girl. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Hey Girl to start your two months now. You will not regret it. Skillshare.com slash Hey Girl. Do you love discovering new products? Are you a beauty and fashion maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing? Ever read about or spot something online that you've always wanted to try but never have? Then you might love FabFitFun. It allows women everywhere to discover new products as well as including rave review and must-have brands that you know and love. It's like Christmas four times a year. Stumped on gift ideas? FabFitFun is also a great gift for someone you love. You can surprise your mom or sister with this awesome summer box packed with great items. Do you have a daughter who's going to college, maybe, or a friend who's a new mom? FabFitFun is an awesome care package. My last box came with this beautiful lotus towel. It was blue, and it's shaped like the flower, and it has a gorgeous design in the middle. That's something we've been laying out on the deck and relaxing on for a few weeks now. So what I love about FabFitFun is that they offer full-size products, no samples of anything, 
every box is guaranteed to have over $200 plus in retail value. The summer 2019 box has a total retail value between $269 to $467. That's fantastic. Treat yourself with items in it, such as the Sutra Professional Mini Travel Blow Dryer, the beautiful Vicks Paula Lotus Towel, or the West Elm Indigo Tie-Dye Bowls. Many of the product's individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. You can customize your box by choosing some products and some add-ons with each one. Or you can be surprised. It's great for discovering new brands and new products. What a better way to shop. I'm looking forward to my next box because they're always so different and packed with things I can actually use. I like to share the items in my box with my 11-year-old. She's really into skincare these days. We recently got a clay mask and a foot mask and a body scrub. She loves them all. The FabFitFun 2019 Summer Box is on sale now. So sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun to sign up and get started. Use promo code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. So you wrote a book of poetry, too. I did. Letters to... Dear no. Ancestors. Dear Ancestors. <laughs> I was close. There I always wanted letters to like, in there. Letters to my ancestors. Yeah. No, Dear Ancestors. <laughs> yes. Um, how was writing a book of poetry different from writing a novel? And Awiti is not a skimp novel. It's a long novel. <laughs> so how, yeah. how was that transition for you? You know, I get a lot from readers that parts of a wee tea read like poetry. Yeah. So I feel like poetry has always been sort of my first love. Yeah. And with Dear Ancestors, I just felt like we were, just as a people, we were going through so much. Um, and I think that sometimes, I mean, it's debilitating, yeah. right? It's depressing. It's so hard. And I'm thinking, I always think, what do my ancestors go through? Mm. What are they thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, you guys are advancing. This is great. You yeah. know, look at where you are. We never yeah. imagined, you yeah. know. And yeah. so I just wanted to sort of pay homage to them and sort of move from where we were in Africa to where we are now. So the, the book sort of takes that flow. It mm -hmm. starts, you know, in Africa yeah. and ends where we are, where we are now and sort of have a place to express a lot of the happiness, yeah. a lot of the sadness and joy and mm -hmm. pain mm -hmm. and suffering. I posted one of the poems uh, the other day in light of the recent murder, and I, it, it, it's just painful to me that these things are continuing to be relevant. Today. Yeah, and the poem says, uh, what, what can I wear, what can I say to make sure I don't die today? Mm. And that's living while black. Mm. You know, and I just don't think people, like you just don't have a place to put that. But yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what you're carrying yeah. on you, yeah. whether you say it or not, you that know, or you're worrying is. about your, you know, I think of my friends that have beautiful sons and beautiful daughters and you're just like carrying the weight mm -hmm. of that is so heavy. So like wanting to sort of share that and express that and provide an outlet for mm -hmm. people who may not know how to channel that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you I mean, know? it's, it's, it's tricky, but it's so, it's so true. And I want to kind of circle back to what we what we talked about earlier with 
you getting a divorce. You wrote a beautiful blog post about it. Thank you. So eloquently <laughs> written. Um, eloquent pain. Eloquent yes. pain. <laughs> Um, and I, I want to touch on one thing in particular. Okay. How did that experience, and you're still going through it, mm-hmm. impact your ability to write? You're working on your second novel. Yes. How were you able to navigate? How are you navigating through ah, that? Yes. So there were months with no writing. How did that feel? It felt terrible. And when you are, you know, a full-time creative, it feels particularly terrible right. because you feel like you should be doing something every day Mm -hmm. to sort of, you know, advance towards your goals. Mm -hmm. But there were times I just couldn't. I was emotionally drained, you know, or physically tired. It was it was tough. But the story that I'm working on is a World War Two love story Mm -hmm. (laughs) between a French African soldier and a German woman. And so it was also a place where I could channel Mm. a lot of the pain and sadness, you know, and love that was still there, Mm -hmm. you know. And and so initially it was terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then it ended up it ended up being being really good for my writing because it could it it's very raw. Yeah. You know, and it was the same thing with Awiti. I was channeling everything from Trayvon Martin, Brown, you know, like I had a place to put that hurt and suffering in a very raw in, in real way. And so mm-hmm. people will say, oh, my God, I was reading. You know, I was crying while reading chapter whatever. And I'm like, I was crying when I wrote really? it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I think that's sort of the same place that I am yeah, with this book. So, What would you say to people experiencing such loss or tragedy or a shift when it comes to writing, I guess, writing through it? Yeah, I would definitely recommend writing through it when you can. You can't force it. And right. that's what I had to learn. Right. You know, I would I would sit there and I try and force it and you only end up making yourself feel worse, yeah. right? Like I can't write any I'm just a failure. You know, like <laughs> right. I just was like, you know, the end of the world. Yeah. So, you know, I got to this space where if I wanted to lay in the bed and I needed to lay in the bed and rest, I would rest. Yeah. You know, but if I had a feeling or emotion that I thought could really be channeled into one of these characters, mm-hmm. I would do that, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I would be as painful and raw with it as I needed to be. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely suggest, obviously, being true to yourself and your feelings yeah. where you are in the process. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you have a way where you can channel that, especially where it can either help someone else, which is what I tried to do with the blog post. We're going to gonna say, talk about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, you know. How can I help someone else with this? Or if you're doing writing fiction or something, how can I use this to make my character more real? Wow. Mm-hmm. So what made you open up about such a, a sensitive topic? <sighs> yes, it was it was it was tough, you know, but I think I think I I felt like a duty to do that. I, I feel like. You know, people looked at our marriage and we just, you know, the Instagram photos, right? You just look so beautiful and happy and, you know. And there were beautiful moments and happy moments, you know. But I think what I wanted to do was sort of help people who were, as you know, it starts like, if you're dating, do this. You know, if you're this, if you're this. And just some of the mistakes that we made along the way. Yeah. So that other people can sort of learn from that. Like, I don't think there's any, there's nothing to be had if I just, you know, keep all of this inside this is an opportunity for me to help other women this is an opportunity for him to help other men you know and I I never expected sort of the outpouring of what came from that I mean like the comments and the dms and the you know because Mm -hmm. 
so many people we don't talk about it we just don't talk about it you know or you know it's like ah marriage is supposed to be tough you know mm. you're supposed to be unhappy it just happens hmm. you know and it's it's not mm-hmm. supposed to be that way it doesn't mean that you're not uh, going to have tough times right you know but there are certain things I think one of the things I mentioned was like you know you can feel when that energy shifts mm-hmm. in your relationship mm-hmm. you know just like we do with your friendships yeah. right you need to address it and I think what happens is we get so caught up with work yeah. and our projects and our kids and this and that you know and you look up and that gap has widened yeah beyond repair and so that's sort of what I wanted to you know talk to people about if you're dating here are some things that you could be doing yeah. getting married here are some things that you could be doing it was a great blog post yeah. <laughs> Are you having problems right now? <laughs> Here's, Here's something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. just sort of like wish everyone well in whatever yeah. path they choose in, in, in their process because I want to be happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I want to live a happy life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you have to take, you know, some very drastic steps in order to make that happen. Are you, mm-hmm. You're happy now? So happy. Yeah, so happy. What does happiness look like for you? Uh, happiness looks like my little 635 square foot condo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think becoming a minimalist also helped shape my happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, not happy about getting a divorce. I think the end of any, you know, relationship is, you know, tragic in its yeah, own way. Absolutely. Um, but happy that both of us were honest with our feelings, mm-hmm. happy that we had the courage and strength to not being something, to not remain in something that was unfulfilling mm. for us, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. we could have stayed and we could have, you know, looked good for the cameras, and, right. you know, right. <laughs> but we weren't being fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's grown people decisions that we <laughs> that we had to make. Um, so I'm, I'm happy about that. There was a definitely a time in my life where I would have stayed because I cared what people thought or wow. I cared, you know, what are what are people going to say or, you know, mm-hmm. so you see growth in all of these sort of painful mm-hmm. struggles and transitions mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. And being able to write, you know, I t- you know, I'm going yeah. on this writing residency to Tuscany. I can't wait to see like, photos. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring you back some chocolate yes. and wine. Yeah. But, you know, just like owning who I am as a woman now and what I want to do and, you know, the work that I want to produce yeah. and that sort of thing. Like, it just gives me a lot of joy. That's a wonderful. Joy. Oh, yeah. That's so wonderful. <laughs> um, you mentioned minimalism. Yes. So how did that come about for you? Was it through the divorce? No. Or was so it before? This is what is, this was probably one of the most challenging parts of the divorce. Yeah. Because, so um, we have a house in PG County. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always had a condo mm-hmm. in D.C. that mm-hmm. I had before we met. Had running, you know, running it out. It's mm-hmm. not hard to run out a place in D.C., right? right? So it was this income property. And I read a book by The Minimalist a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like looking around our house. And it's just three of us, my husband, my daughter. Mm-hmm. and myself and I was like we have so much stuff yeah you know yeah. and I you know my we had a lot of stuff because I was buying 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 trying to fill every void mm. you know or a mm-hmm. bit of unhappiness in my life mm-hmm. right so I, I just looked around like we have so much stuff and the stuff is stressful right because when you have stuff you have to clean stuff yeah <laughs> yep. so 
And I just remember I would spend like an entire weekend just cleaning and dusting and mopping and, you know, then being tired because I didn't get to spend my weekend the way I want. You know, it's just like all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, well, I'm going to try and adopt some of their principles. I knew I couldn't do the let me put everything in a box and seal the box. And if I don't open the box in six months, I'll just donate it. I knew. <laughs> what happening. Oh, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to start with one thing. Yeah. If I could just remove one thing either a weekend or a day you know I didn't took one picture down took one vase away started removing all the unlit candles you mm-hmm. know and you're mm-hmm. like and the house didn't feel empty mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it actually started to feel very clean mm-hmm. and very peaceful mm-hmm. and very serene and so my family you know happy wife, happy life, right? right. <laughs> so they were like I guess we're embarking on this journey to together <laughs> um and I think, you know, my my daughter, um, I guess she was probably like 10 or 11 at the time. And it's great for kids because, I mean, the less choices and stuff that they have to make, the better. Right? right. Their lives are already so full. And I think, you know, my husband was just happy that I was not complaining about all the work that I had to do and feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And so we had agreed that we were going to transition back into this condo space mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And then we decided on this divorce. Mm-hmm. And I was like... So I'm going to be in the condo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but I love the condo. You yeah. know, like we had we had yeah. envisioned what this was going to look like for us. And, you know, I talked about starting the Afro minimalist mm-hmm. and like being able to help other people of color sort of embrace this yeah. lifestyle. And so that was probably the toughest part of the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll still like come over like it looks really nice, nice in here. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This, so. this has been... Ugh, such a great conversation. I know. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. So as we wrap up, yes. five self-care tips you would give to our listeners in regards, mm. I'm going to make it kind of tricky okay. for you. Okay, uh-oh. <laughs> in regards mm-hmm. to writing. All right, tip number one, do not force the process, okay? Like thinking that you can make yourself sit down and write X number of words for X number of hours. It's a very unhealthy way to sort of approach the process. And I've done it before, mm-hmm. and I'll probably do it again, you know, when I have to. Right. But it sort of stifles your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so my recommendation would be to choose something more healthy, which is I'm going to commit to write every day. Tip number two. Oh, this is so funny. I talk about this all the time. Don't be afraid to use the good journals. So I have this thing, right? You buy these pretty journals. And you don't use them. And you don't use them because your Me. hand is raised. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and that's something that I've embraced along with minimalism is like, don't be afraid to use the pretty things yeah. and enjoy the pretty things, mm. you know, and it is. It's, it, I love writing in my, my beautiful rifle paper journals, mm-hmm. you know what right, I mean, that right. used to just, like, collect dust because I would just look at the covers like, they're so, so pretty. pretty. I don't want to write in it, you know. <laughs> Allow yourself the joy and pleasure mm. of enjoying the pretty things as part of the writing process. Number three, be good to yourself. I suffered writing a wee tea. Ended up being a great book, mm-hmm. I think, but I put up in like maybe 25 pounds. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just eating crap, treating myself like crap. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important to eat well and get adequate rest mm. um, I and move. You know, mm-hmm. I remember I got a Fitbit. <laughs> 
because I wanted I I knew that I wasn't moving, right. but I just wondered like how much I was not moving. Yeah. And there was one time during the revision process, like I literally took nine hundred and like eighty steps, which is literally like I went to the kitchen and I went to the bathroom. You know <laughs> what I mean? And like that's not healthy. Yeah. All right, let me wrap this up. Number four, indulge in some self care. I remember when you and I first met and I was like, I'm embarking on this creative journey. And, you know, you're like, I don't do such and such after such and such time. And such and such is my day off. And so, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, and like I, you know, in my mind, I was still going to approach it like it was a nine to five full time job. Mm -hmm. And the creative mind just doesn't work that way. Right. You know, like right. you literally have to give yourself a break yeah. and rest mm -hmm. and be good to yourself. Lush. Alex and I are lushies. Yeah, we so. are. <laughs> and number five, you know, trust yourself. Trust your writing. Believe in your work. Believe in your voice. Know that your voice needs to be heard. Everybody has a unique individual story to tell. But you have to go for it, right? Yeah. You have to go for it. So trust yourself. Those are my five. Awesome. On the spot. Awesome. How do you put me on the spot like that? <laughs> I put some people on the spot sometimes. So um, we are going to wrap this show up. Thank you so much for, for being here yet again. And please let people know where they can find you and where they can find your work. Yes, you can find me at cppatrick.com. You can find my work on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent booksellers worldwide, and on Instagram. So I tried to, all my social media handles should be author CP Patrick. So you should be able to find me on Instagram and Twitter and then um, the Afro Minimalist on Instagram. Wonderful. So, yes. All right, girl. All right. Bye. Hey, girl is a member of the District Productive Network, produced by Jamie Benson and me, Alex L. Music provided by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.